before I do that, let me uh, call up my wife here, Debbie. And uh, as um, has been mentioned, it's Pentecost Sunday, and we were talking about it, and she mentioned that she'd like to share some things with us today. And by the way, I love your haircut. It looks beautiful, doesn't it? Yeah? All right. Good morning. Um, so I've been doing some writing on the Holy Spirit, and today is Pentecost Sunday. And when you, I was just thinking like, you know, we celebrate Christmas for Jesus' coming. We celebrate Easter for the resurrection. And there is Pentecost. And when you think about it, the things that we take for granted in church, you know, um, worship, the way we worship, how the Lord speaks to us through worship, the presence of the Holy Spirit, that we can say, Holy Spirit, come, and he comes. Um, the way we can just go and ask someone, please pray for me, like, I want to receive the Holy Spirit, I want more of the Holy Spirit, it's because of Pentecost Sunday. Because before, the Spirit came on a person for a particular job, and then he left. But now he is accessible to all of us because of Pentecost. And I just feel like that deserves so much of a celebration, like as we acknowledge the fact that the Holy Spirit came. There was a day when the Holy Spirit came and he has not left. So Beth Moore, the, the, the post that I was referring to, she says, It's the Holy Spirit who works true repentance, brings real awakening, opens the eyes of the spiritually blind, and ignites lampstands with holy fire and transforming power. Without the Holy Spirit, the bride of Christ would be a corpse. And so this verse that I feel like I just need to share with you as, um, as I wrap this up, Pentecost has been like a part of the church for a long time, and now we don't like really pay much attention to it anymore. And I am inviting you to think about Pentecost as a big deal. Um, this verse from Jeremiah 6.16 says, Thus says the Lord, Stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths, where the good way is, and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Happy Pentecost. All right, so keeping it moving here, new members class. So we have a new members class that we have a new series, and I say series, it's one class, but it goes for six weeks. And if you've been at LifeSpring over the last three to six months, and you're like, man, I want to know what it looks like to serve, or I want to know what it looks like to lead a life group, or to learn more about LifeSpring, this is an opportunity for you to get to know us better and who we are, what we believe, but it's also an opportunity for us to get to know you. And so if that is you, starting Sunday, June 11th at 8 a.m. right here at the, sir, at the building, we will be having our new members class. Next week, Sunday, we'll have a sign-up, and so if that's you, please get signed up for that class. We'd love to have you be a part of what the Lord is doing in and through us here at LifeSpring. Also, the Belize Missions trip. We've been announcing this for a few weeks now. And last week, Sunday, we had our interest meeting and we had a great bunch of people who came out. And uh, I want to just let you know, if the Lord has been tugging on your heart about this, or maybe you just have questions or you're interested and you're not even sure, please come and talk to me. I'd love to give you more information on this trip. It's going to be November 12th 
to the 20th of this year, and it's actually going to be, that's a Sunday, the 12th is a Sunday, it's a red-eye flight, so we'll actually leave like at 10, and we'll arrive the next day, the 13th, that afternoon in Belize. Uh, we're, uh, my wife and I were originally from Belize, and uh, I haven't been back in six years. And so it's going to be an amazing opportunity to, uh, we'll be partnering with a local Foursquare church at, where I use the pastor and other different organizations in the community who disciple and mentor both young women and young men. And so it's a great opportunity. It's between 1600 to $1,800, and that covers your flights, accommodation, food, even a free day. And so please, if you have any questions, come and talk. With me, I want to share more with you. And for those of you who attended and last week the meeting and those of you who are interested, um, I'll be sending out more information specific to this trip and what it looks like later this week. Uh, also, with going to Belize, some of you might be, well, how are you able to do that? Well, I'll let you know, um, as many of you are aware, uh, my immigration process has been ongoing for years, for years. It's been almost five years now. But uh, as I told the council last month, um, that was finally approved. And this is how I'm able to travel. So thank you guys so much for your prayers. Thank you guys so much for your support. And talking about prayers and support, I, I also just want to say thank you so much for uh, all your congratulations. Last Saturday, yes, it's been just last Saturday, I graduated with my master's. And so after a little bit over two years... After a little bit over two years, I finally finished my theology degree, and so we'll see uh, what's next. We have some things in the works already, and I'm like already on to the next thing, but I do want to thank you guys so much for celebrating that. It took uh, a lot of effort and sacrifice, and sometimes people will hear me say, yes, I got to go do my discussion questions, or I have to go home after a service because I have to go do work, or no, I can't do that, and there are often times now where I'm like, oh, I have no work to do. That's, that's a very good feeling. <laughs> All right. If you've been here over the last few weeks, you'll know that we've been going through our series called LED. And who knows what that stands for? Ah, it's right up there on the screen. Living Empowered Daily. All right. And this morning, I'll be sharing on spirit-led communication. Let's open in a word of prayer. Father, I thank you, God, that we get to meet together like this, Lord. And so I pray that as you've ministered to us through prophecy, through song, Lord, I pray that you minister to our hearts today also through your words. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. You know, communication is, in reality, a complex process. And there's a common misconception that the act of speaking, writing, or announcing inherently leads to successful communication. But this is far from accurate. The importance of effective communication is undeniable. I mean, like, we all know that. Yet, it often lies at the heart of many conflicts. Disputes between spouses often stem from a lack of clear communication. Similarly, Disagreements among each other can arise from ineffective dialogue, even over minor topics. 
Some problems are in communication are humorous. And I have quite a bit of those examples. Like, and I'll share just a couple of them with you. So when I used to pastor in Belize, we used to have this bus run. And uh, I used to go and pick up people for church in the morning, like a couple hours before. And then uh, like an hour later, I'll spend time dropping off people. And you know how on our cell phone we now have internet? Well, that took a little bit longer to roll out in Belize. And so I had to wait until I got onto Wi-Fi before I got messages. And so I had been out uh, dropping off people. And uh, my then senior pastor, he uh, sent me some messages about some things that were happening. And I didn't see them. So this was like an hour later. And as I stepped, as I stepped into my house or I'm coming into my yard, uh, these messages are coming in. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I needed to respond to this so many moments ago. And, uh, and so I hurried type out a message and I told him, so sorry, I'm just seeing this. I just got on Wi-Fi. Well, autocorrect changed Wi-Fi to wife. And that was very inappropriate because I was single at the time and not in a relationship. And so that was very awkward. (laughs) And then there's another one that just happened uh, earlier this year. I mean, I'm always having these moments and I always laugh at myself. All right. So, you know, we had an Easter egg hunt and we had um, different activities for the kids. And then Sam actually offered to bring us some baby chicks. For that event, well, I started telling everyone that we would have some young chicks at the Easter egg hunt. And, and I mean, I'm sure we'd probably get a different crowd of people and it would be packed out. But there's a difference between young chicks and baby chicks. And that was just like my communication. So some problems in communication are humorous. And some are tragic. And breakdowns in diplomatic communication can escalate to the point of warfare between nations. If you have a cell phone, and most people do these days, I'm sure you know the difficulty that one can experience with off and on reception. It's tough to have a a conversation or effectively communicate when reception fades in and out, and you have to constantly check to see if the other person is hearing you by asking that inane question. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? I'm walking into the kitchen. How about now? Can you hear me? Hello? Hello? I'll call you back. And they call you back. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? And then you can't hear them. Like, has that ever happened to you, right? Author David Augsburger makes this powerful statement. He says, being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they are almost indistinguishable. To say something you value deeply to another and to have him or her value it equally by listening to it carefully and appreciatively is the most universal way of exchanging social interest or demonstrating affection. So what is communication? Well, communication is an impartation of living ideas evoking mental and emotional responses. It involves hearing, understanding, encountering, listening, and responding, as well as speaking and delivering. The ideal communication happens when the true meaning and intended aim of the communication is accurately transmitted to the receivers. 
And you know, God created people in his own image. And he created us to be social beings with a need for communication. God created us so that he might fellowship and communicate with us. In all of this, we are to be dependent on the Holy Spirit to make our communication clear, effective, loving, and truthful. Here are some verses about communication from the Bible. It says, Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Ephesians 4.15 says, But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, that is, Christ. And Ephesians 4.29 reads like this, Let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but if there is any good word for edification according to the need of the moment, say that so that it will give grace to those who hear. The verses we just read tells me three things. Be slow to speak, be sensitive in our speech, and be gentle in our speech. I want to say that again. Be slow to speak, be sensitive in our speech, and be gentle in our speech. And we'll build on those three things as we move forward here. I have two main points for you today, and then uh, we'll close out with some practical applications today. And point one is this. The Holy Spirit as the source of Spirit-led communication. And if you're taking notes, it'll be a good time to write that down. The Holy Spirit as the source of Spirit-led communication. He is the source of Spirit-led communication. For this point, we find our text in John 14, 16, and 17, where Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, so that he may be with you forever. The helper is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he remains with you and will be in you. The first thing to understand about the Holy Spirit is, His divine personhood. He's not a vague spiritual force, but the third person of the Trinity, co-equal with God the Father and God the Son. The Holy Spirit has a personality, and this is crucial for us to grasp because it is this divine person who dwells within us and enables our communication with God. In Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27, the Apostle Paul tells us, Now in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we should. But the Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. It is a spirit then that takes our feeble words or half-uttered prayers or deep groans at times and translates them into the perfect will of God. Isn't that amazing? It is as if we have our divine translator residing within us, ensuring our communication with God is always accurate and understood. The Holy Spirit also empowers us to communicate the gospel message to others. Acts 1.8 reminds us that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and as far as the remotest part 
of the earth. It's not by our eloquence or wisdom or strength that we spread the good news. It's by the power and leading of the Holy Spirit. Moreover, the Spirit does not merely enable us to speak words of life. He also provides the wisdom to comprehend spiritual truths. As Paul notes in 1 Corinthians 2, 13 and 14, we also speak these things not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Verse 14, But a natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit for, of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So the Holy Spirit is our indwelling helper, our divine translator in prayer, our power to witness, and our teacher of spiritual truths. He is then the source of spirit-led communication. If we're talking about spirit-led communication, then we must start with the Holy Spirit. And so if the Holy Spirit is the source of that communication, then the Holy Spirit must play a role in communication. And that's my second point for you. The Holy Spirit's role in communication. The Holy Spirit not only enables us to communicate with God, but also empowers and guides us in our communication with others. Has there ever been a time like where you just want to fly off the handle with someone and the Holy Spirit's like, you, you, you right there. Reel it back. Or you're starting to get on the edge or you're starting to get there and the Holy Spirit is like, you, you, you. Yes, you. Reel it in. Reel it in. In Ephesians 4, 29 to 32, Paul reminds us of the power of spirit-led communication. It says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear it. Verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. This passage calls us to a higher standard in our communication. One that is led and empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not only enable us to communicate with God. I mentioned this already, but he also empowers and guides us in our interaction with others. First, Paul tells us to abstain from corrupting talk. The Greek word used here for corrupt carries the idea of something that is rotten or putrid. In essence, Paul is advising us against language that is spiritually damaging, hurtful, or destructive. And it is the Holy Spirit who assists us in this endeavor by convicting us of sin and leading us in all truth. Second, our words should be such as is good for building up. In the Greek, the term for building up is oikodome, which is often used metaphorically in the New Testament to describe spiritual growth. In effect, our words should be used to edify others, to promote growth and foster spiritual maturity. Three, our words should give grace to those who hear. 
The Holy Spirit, being a spirit of grace, and you can find that reference in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 29, empowers our words to extend kindness, favor, and love to others. Our speech should not be a weapon that tears down, but a tool that dispenses grace. Paul also urges us not to grieve the Holy Spirit. We grieve Him when our words are filled with, as we read in the verse earlier, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, and malice. Instead, we should be kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving, much like our Lord Jesus Christ. Because this, too, is the work of the Holy Spirit in us as He produces the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in our lives. Pastor Mary spoke about this a few weeks ago. So what does this look like in our everyday life? Well, at this time, I'd like to invite Pastor Joe Duvaux to share with us what this looks like for him in the workplace. Would you give him a round of applause? Well, thank you, Pastor Jesse. He asked, uh, you know, asked me a couple of months ago to share about this, so I'm, I'm very excited about that and blessed to do so. It's already been alluded to. For me, communication with the Holy Spirit is essentially a relationship. That's what it is for me. That's always been. And I really like what Debbie Mazzola said when we started out. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a power. Of course he has all powerful. He's the, the Godhead. And, you know, that's... That's what he does. And then, and then the personal relationship we do. Well, you talk with somebody, you interact with them, and, and you spend time with them. For me, it's no different than the Holy Spirit. I spend time with all day. That's what you do, you know, when you go into the Word. Holy Spirit, speak to me. I'm spending time with you. And, uh, you know, it's the very reason that uh, brought me to the Lord. Because I asked the Lord I want to have a personal relationship with you, which no one told me I could ask. I didn't know I could have one. And, you know, sure enough, that's the Holy Spirit did through the you know, life, death, and ministry of Jesus Christ. And that was over 43 years ago. Uh, and, you know, and if you're born again, you already have the Holy Spirit. He indwells you. So the relationship has started with you. I mean, let me also emphasize, get baptized by the Holy Spirit, because when you do that, the radio dial comes on, and you really get here more of the Holy Spirit. I mean, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit about a month afterwards, and it's been not the same since. And I always knew I had a relationship with, with, with God. And that really came to the forefront for me when I did uh, uh, a mission trip with YRAM. I was talking about that. You know, Youth with a Mission. I did a DTS back in 95, uh, 96, a long time ago, uh, in uh, Yalta, Ukraine. And part of my focus of that whole trip was my relationship with God. My journal I have, I said, it says, Jesus and Joe, the Yalta chapter. And YWAM just made it real easy. We have this journal, like every day, quiet time. What did God speak to you? When I'm doing work, what did God say to you? When I'm in church, what did God say to you? I'm in constant communication. So I really, really knew that it, it, the Holy Spirit had a thing, you know, relationship with me. Now, I'm not saying you have to do a long-term mission trip to get this. Of course, I might not talk you out of it. Um, but you can have this right here, right now. You have the Holy Spirit if you're born again. So what does, that, you know, what does the Holy Spirit kind of look like when you're on your job? Well, for me, I am a 
called a guest para, which is a you know, paraeducator in the February public schools in an ACP class with academic core uh, program. And these are kids with behavioral issues. And if you were to peek in on my day when there's chaos and, and going on and, and everything else going on, you may ask, like, I ask God, why am I here? Because I ask God quite a lot. Why am I, why you got me here? And, 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 and true to how God often speaks to me and from me, he said, because you're here. I said, okay, oh, okay, God. <laughs> because, I'm he- because I'm here, he's there, and things are different. There's, there's things I can see where God shows up, and maybe no one else knows God shows up, but I do. I mean, we had, uh, I think last year, a kid that likes to run off the school ground, and I mean, he just missed getting hit by a car. Now I can't prove it. I mean, I was there that day. I, you know, I pray every time I go in. Not, he probably not got hit by the car because God's presence is in that school. And I've had other times where he's come to me and, um, like, this past March, it was my birthday, but I didn't say anything to anybody. And I got a little kid in the afternoon, like, singing happy birthday to me and making me, a, you know, here's your cake out of the, uh, you know, making Play-Doh. Here's your birthday cake. Now, I said, like, that's you, God. This kid has no idea what's going on today. And that, that's, what's so, that's what's so good to see, you know. Uh, and there's just little things I kind of, you know, pray before I, I pull in the parking lot. And one of the things I say, okay, Holy Spirit, here we go. <laughs> or other times, Holy Spirit, I need to be filled because I don't dare walk in there without being filled. And, uh, you know, I have this little poster I look at that says, Lord, help me remember that nothing's going to happen today that you and I cannot handle together. So I know that. I'm very consciously aware of that, whether I am or not, because I go forth and I know I have a relationship with him. And we just do that. And then if things get really crazy, I'll pray in tongues underneath my breath because (laughs) I, I need that. And so, you know, if you're in the workplace, maybe you have a time and place. You can say, you know, give a simple thank you, God, or simple help, Lord, flare prayers. You can have those. And it just becomes supernaturally natural because, I mean, you, you have a relationship. You don't think about, well, hey, am I, have a, am I married today? And I was, yeah, of course, you already know that. And, again, the essential part is having a relationship. And here's a few more instances that happened just recently. This happened a couple weeks ago. I'm in the lunchroom, and somebody said, God bless you for being in that class. Now, I've, all, I've never had somebody say, God bless you, since I've been in that school. <laughs> they say, thank you, I appreciate you, that you being here. But, and that was just a moment that the Holy Spirit knew I needed, because there's times I just need encouragement being in that class. And, and I come back because I know he wants me there. And just, you know, when Pastor Jesse was coming back to me, we had our class power, the name of the Holy Spirit. He said, you know, remind me. He said, yeah, yeah. In fact, the Holy Spirit spoke to me that day. Uh, you know, because since, I would say, April occasionally, I've been asking God, Lord, you know, you know school's coming to an end here. I, I, I know I can come back to this position next year. Do you want me to do that or not? So I just... I just left it up to him. And that day he said, he said to me, I have called you to be here, 
and here's where you are to be. <laughs> so, okay, Lord. Now, let me encourage you uh, to write those things down when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, whether it's, he, you know, that's a whole nother teaching how God speaks to you. And I would say, uh, ben, Pastor Ben's Dixon book, uh, Hearing God, that's a good place to start. But when somebody says something to you and you think it's Holy Spirit, write it down. You don't know when it's going to come about. Do that. And, and it, it's just, you know, I, I was glad because I'm always there. And, you know, it's, it's just this thing you need to do. And again, if you're born again and you have the healing uh, in the Holy Spirit, you got the relationship. If you don't, we'd love to talk to you afterward. And so you can have a life through Jesus as you walk and talk with him. God bless you. Thank you so much, Pastor Joe. You know what I love about what Pastor Joe mentioned is the fact that you can communicate with the Holy Spirit on the most basic of things. You might think it's the most basic of things, but the Lord is in, He's interested in every aspect of your life. And so you can consult the Holy Spirit even as you're walking, as you're, if, if you're at work, wherever you may be, at the gym, wherever you may be. You can communicate with the Holy Spirit. And that is available every day and every moment of the day. If you, earlier this, um, a few weeks ago, Papa Birch uh, taught a class on fresh manna. And he talked about, yes, that deserves a woo. I love that. Yes. It was an amazing class. But he talked about rising every morning and spending time with the Word of God so that you can get fresh manna. You're not trying to live off of what the Holy Spirit told you yesterday or last week or this great move that he did in your life so many years ago or months ago. Those things are important. I think they're foundational building blocks to what the Holy Spirit can continue to do in your life. So seek the Holy Spirit every day in every aspect of your life. Also, as we continue here, I want to look at some practical steps and skills communication. And the first one is this, listening with the Holy Spirit. If, you, if you're born again, as Pastor Joe mentioned, you have the Holy Spirit in you and with you. And so we need to listen with the Holy Spirit. This involves, one, active and empathetic listening. James 1.19 reminds us of the importance of listening. He says, know this, my beloved brothers, that every person be quick to hear Slow to speak, slow to anger. Another thing that comes with listening with the Holy Spirit is discernment. The Holy Spirit also grants us discernment in our listening. First John 4, 1 encourages us to test the spirits to see whether they are from God. When we listen with discernment, we can better identify truth from falsehood and respond appropriately. And I want to spend some time looking more closely at these verses. The first one we'll look at is James 1.19, and that speaks to active and empathetic listening. And as James highlighted, it involves more than simply hearing words spoken to us. 
It requires us to attentively engage with the speaker, to perceive their feelings and to understand their perspective. It's a practice that requires humility and patience, qualities that are fruits of the Holy Spirit's work within us. Jesus, our ultimate role model, was an active and empathetic listener. Consider his conversation with the Samaritan woman at the well in John 4. Despite the societal norms that should have prevented the interaction, Jesus attentively listened to her, understood her spiritual thirst, and extended the living water of eternal life. You guys carry this with you when you're in the stores, or maybe you're checking out at the cashier, and the Holy Spirit is telling you that there's something, like, you can pray for this person, or you can speak a word of life over them, but you're like, oh. Not me. I mean, me too. That happens to me. You know, like that's not just you. That happens to me at times. But it's in those moments, like Jesus did, that we can extend living water to those individuals. When James exhorts us to be quick to hear, it implies an eagerness, a readiness to listen. This means we should approach conversations with an open heart and mind, ready to fully engage and understand the other person's point of view. Listening in this way then becomes an act of love, a way of saying, I value you. and What you have to say is important to me. And you can do that with any stranger, much more so the ones who are close to you. Further, being slow to speak involves giving others the space to express themselves fully before we interject with our thoughts or opinions. We're not listening to respond. I'm guilty of doing that so many times. We're not listening to respond, all right? We're listening to hear someone out. So we need to be slow to speak. It's about taming our tongues, which James describes as a restless evil full of deadly poison. You can find that in James 3.8. And let me just clarify It's not about being silent, but rather about ensuring our words are a response rather than a reaction. And that our responses contributes constructively to the conversation. Let's take a look at this clip here that uh, they're pulling up. It's not spiritual in nature, but I think it lends to what we're covering here. Let's look at this. Oh, that's so wonderful. 
Why don't we clean back and tidy at breakfast twice that day? And he leaves me in the frying oven. Don't you dare. He was that afraid. Active and empathetic listening. The other person was just trying to brush over it like, hey, let me try to make you happy in all these other ways. We need to be active and empathetic listeners to know how we're able to respond in those situations. Additionally, we need to be slow to anger, as James says. And this encourages us to manage our emotions during conversations. We're urged to exhibit self-control, that the Spirit enables in us to be slow to take offense and quick to extend the grace. Now, the balance to active and empathetic listening is discernment, which the Holy Spirit also grants us in our listening. 1 John 4.1 encourages us to test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Discernment, biblically speaking, is the ability to judge well. And I lost my place. Let's see. Let's see. There we go. See, this is the thing about using technology. I tried, decided to try that this morning. I had my paper there just as backup in case it didn't work. But discernment, biblically speaking, is the ability to judge well, to distinguish truth from error, right from wrong, and ultimately the spiritual from the unspiritual. The Holy Spirit, often referred to as the spirit of truth, is our primary guide in discerning the voices we hear, whether those voices come from people, our own thoughts, or spiritual influences. Discernment is not about suspicion or cynicism. But it's about seeking the truth with wisdom and clarity. And I'd say that discernment is crucial, particularly in our era that is saturated with numerous voices and messages through social media, news outlets, books, and even pulpits. That all that is proclaimed in the name of God aligns with His truth. The reality is we need to be sensitive to the Spirit so that we can discern in our listening. Another practical step and skill of communication is speaking with the Holy Spirit. If we're filled with the Holy Spirit in our conversations, then we must speak with the Holy Spirit. And this involves speaking the truth in love. Ephesians 4.15 tells us to speak the truth in love, which means sharing the truth of God's words with others in a compassionate and gentle manner. This is primarily what this verse is referring to. But even in our conversation with each other, if we're bringing correction or even if we're in disagreement with each other, we need to be able to communicate truth in those moments with love. And this is only possible through the guidance and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, when we speak with the Holy Spirit, we offer encouragement and edification. 
As followers of Christ, our words should encourage and build up others. The Holy Spirit enables us to speak words that uplift and strengthen our brothers and sisters in Christ. And again, I want us to look at these verses more closely. Let us consider Ephesians 4.15. It says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. This passage reminds us that our speech should not merely convey the truth, but it should do so enveloped in love. It's not about winning arguments or proving ourselves right. Like how, If you try to do that, man, you lose someone very fast. It's a good way to burn bridges. It's a good way to burn relationships. So it's not about winning arguments or proving ourselves right, but about sharing God's truth in a manner that reflects his heart, a heart full of love, and compassion. However, I've often heard people say, well, you know what, Pastor? I just want to keep it 100. Like, have you heard that before? And if you're that person, like, don't raise your hand and don't look to the person to your left or right. You know, they're like, I just got to keep it 100. I got to keep it 100. And I was going to say a whole bunch about this when it comes to talking to each other. But let's take a look at this clip. If you want to destroy everything, keep it 100. If you want to lose your job Monday morning. Oh, did the whole computer crash, Steve? If you want to lose everything, keep it 100. If you want to destroy everything, keep it 100. If you want to lose your job Monday morning, go in there and keep it 100. I don't even want to be here. I'm sick of all of y'all. I never liked you in the first place. And you make me sick and you get on my nerves, we'll get you fired. But you keep it at 100. If you want to get divorced real quick and she asks you, do, do my hips look big in this? And you respond, look like two bears fighting in the woods under a blanket. Or he says, am I the greatest lover you ever had? No, you're about number 10. I just love you and I put up with it and I act like you just killing me and driving me crazy. So be careful about keeping it 100. Speaking the truth is a delicate balance that can only be struck by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit grants us the wisdom to know what to say, the courage to say it, and the love to say it gently and respectfully. The Spirit also helps us model Jesus, who always combined truth with love in his interactions. Secondly, in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, we read, and this has to do with encouragement and edification. It says, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. As members of the body of Christ, our words carry the power to build or destroy, to encourage or dishearten. And we are called to use this power wisely and lovingly to strengthen our brothers and sisters and to promote unity in the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit who dwells within us 
enables us to speak words of life and edification. Another practical step and skill of communication is this, and this is my last one. C, maintaining unity through spirit-led communication. This involves resolving conflict. Conflicts are inevitable in relationships. However, spirit-led communication allows us to resolve conflicts with love and understanding. Matthew 18, 15-17 highlights that. Second, forgiveness and reconciliation. Spirit-led communication also fosters forgiveness and reconciliation. As we forgive one another, we reflect the forgiveness we have received from Jesus Christ. And let us look at Matthew 18:15 to 17 where Jesus offers specific instructions on addressing conflicts. It says, "If your brother sins against you." And I preached about this. I preached on this last summer. I know that's a long time ago, so. "If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you." that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. It didn't say, announce it in the life group as a prayer request, all right? It says, take it to him. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church, and if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Conflicts, disagreements, and understandings are an inevitable part of human relationships, even within the church. However, our goal under the guidance of the Holy Spirit is not to avoid conflicts, but to handle them in a manner that preserves love, respect, and unity. When conflicts arise, we are to approach each other privately, addressing the matter with truth and love. This process demands humility, courage, and a sincere desire for reconciliation. Secondly, we turn to Colossians 3:13. It says, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. I know that's different up there, Steve. I'm sorry I changed it. I changed the translation there. In every conflict, forgiveness is the bridge to reconciliation. Holding on to resentment and grudges only leads to disunity and pain, and personal pain often at that. But when we choose to forgive, we not only liberate ourselves from the burden of bitterness, we also open the way for healing and restoration in our relationships. Now, this is within the parameters of reason. Where there is spiritual, physical, verbal, mental, and emotional abuse, that's a different thing, all right? So track with me. And oftentimes in those situations, reconciliation never happens. But even in such difficult and challenging and tragic situations... As an individual, we can choose to forgive. We can liberate ourselves from the burden of bitterness. And this way, we open up ourselves to healing. So, Spirit-led communication promotes forgiveness. The Holy Spirit softens our hearts, helps us to see the bigger picture of God's grace in our lives, and empowers us to extend that grace to others. And let me clarify, maintaining unity through spirit-led communication is not merely about avoiding conflict or suppressing our feelings. Don't do that. That's unhealthy. Speak to a therapist. Talk to one of our pastors. Come and talk with me. Talk to your um, spouse or a friend or someone. Talk to them. It's not about suppressing our feelings. Rather, it's about 
facing conflicts with wisdom, resolving them with love, and fostering forgiveness, just as Jesus forgave us. So as I get ready to close, I'll call up the worship team, and I want to recap my main points for today. Point one, the Holy Spirit is the source of Spirit-led communication. Point two, the Holy Spirit plays an important role in communication. The practical steps and skills of communication are A, listening with the Holy Spirit. This involves active and empathetic listening. Two, discernment. B, speaking with the Holy Spirit. This involves speaking the truth in love, encouragement, and edification. C, maintaining unity through Spirit-led communication. And this involves resolving conflicts and offering forgiveness and reconciliation. Church, as we yield to the Holy Spirit's guidance in our communication, we will not only preserve unity in our relationships, but also reflect the heart of our Father, reflect the heart of a reconciling God. Oftentimes you'd heard people say, the first Bible that people read is you. So how are you reflecting Christ? May we strive to be peacemakers. For as Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Thank you.